The Holy Gospel according to John from the 15th chapter. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Here in the Pacific Northwest, many people keep their distance from what they call organized religion. And there are diverse reasons for this, but in many cases it has to do with one or more experiences of being in religious communities where rule keeping was the defining feature of life together. And as you might imagine, in this attention to rule keeping, it often involved taking rules that are found in the Bible and expanding them to include countless modern applications, which usually reflect the personal convictions of leaders or the ones reading the Bible. No dancing, no card playing, no alcohol. Many of you and us grew up with that. No clothing deemed inappropriate by male leaders of the community. And then there were all the internal rules which govern life together. No showing up late for worship. No sitting in the wrong pew. No communion without all of the proper credentials and preparation. No use of the kitchen without proper vetting and approval. I have a feeling that many of you could offer a few dozen more examples, and some of them less lighthearted and much more painful from your own experience, along with stories of being chastised or maybe even shunned because of your failure to comply to a community's rules. It's no wonder that so many people have just given up altogether on the church. And it's no wonder that many people without much experience, with little or no religious experience, imagine that this is really what we are all about. And the great irony, of course, in all of this, is that Christianity has its origins in a person who got in trouble every day for breaking the rules established by the religious leaders of his own time. Throughout the gospel narratives, we see Jesus being chastised and shunned for his failure to comply with the many rules that governed religious life. No healing on the Sabbath. 
No contact with men and women who have been declared unclean. No socializing with tax collectors and sinners. No going beyond the boundaries of race and class and religion and gender. No challenging the motives and the actions of religious leaders. No disrupting the status quo. It was impossible for Jesus to do his work without getting in trouble all the time with the establishment and with the people who led his community. But Jesus did not throw out rules. It didn't mean that Jesus was promoting lawlessness. Instead, he was in that long line of prophets before him who were trying to reestablish a community centered on the enduring rules, the rules that matter most of love and of justice and of mercy. Jesus was like Micah, who saw through the pettiness and all of the rules of his own community and who called them back to the divine mandate to simply do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. That is what God requires of you, Micah said. And in Jesus, we hear that same prophetic voice. In our gospel today, he sums it all up with one rule. Love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, he says. And if you keep it, you will abide in my love and you will have my joy in you. And it helps to remember that Jesus said this right before he was sentenced to death for breaking the rules established by religious and political leaders of his time. Because when you remember that, it gives substance to his comments about what love looks like in its purest form. When you lay down your life for your friends, Jesus says, you love in the greatest way of all. Clearly, Jesus lived by this rule of love in all that he said and did. And I am thankful, thankful for all the courageous people throughout history who have followed that example, even within the church, people who have helped the church of Jesus Christ rise above all of the rules created by anxious people and be a force of transforming love in the world today. I know that it is easy to see what we have done wrong and are doing wrong as the church in the past and in the present. But I'm compelled to stay within it because of all the good that is done and has been done by the grace of God and because of the profound impact that this continues to have on people here and around the world. I was reminded of that in late April when I visited the National Museum of African American History and Culture in our nation's capital. And when you absorb even one tiny bit of the truth that is told there about slavery and lynching and hateful segregation, you wonder how anyone could ever confront that with love. But then you see and hear the stories there of remarkable people who have had the love of God burning within them. And when you remember that many of them were deeply embedded in 
Christian community and churches throughout the land. You see what God can do, even with us. We might not always make the connection, but my visit to the museum was a reminder that the civil rights movement in this country was largely driven by people from religious communities, from the churches and synagogues and mosques of our land, who did what they did out of faithful obedience to the rule of love. And it was this obedience that led them to break rules of all kinds, rules that were put in place by people with power and privilege. When I sat at a replica of the lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, where students broke the rules of segregation, and when I saw pictures and movie footage of freedom riders breaking the rules and committed marchers and Christian clergy and lay people being put in jail, I thought of Peter and Paul and all the other early Christians who were beaten and tortured and jailed and sometimes even put to death for breaking the rules as Jesus did, for living out the gospel of love in courageous ways. My wife Linda and I were there in Washington, D.C. for an event called Ecumenical Advocacy Days where people from Christian churches around the United States come together to join our voices and our actions in support of people who are suffering. Our focus this year was on refugees and immigrants, migrants who are seeking shelter and new life here in the United States. And among the people who led workshops and spoke on various panels, two of my favorite were Catholic sisters who I had come to know through documentaries about their actions. Joanne Persh looks like a grandma who would quietly stay out of trouble, but she has been a serial rule breaker for almost all of her adult life. In her solidarity with people who are held in slave-like conditions in detention centers, profit-making detention centers like the one we have here in Tacoma. She has crossed every line imaginable. When she is told she cannot enter the facilities, she does. When she's told she can't speak with the people who are being detained there, she does anyway. When she's told she can't get on the bus and pray with them as they're being deported, she does this, too, out of deep and abiding love. She sat in this chair, and she just looks like such an unassuming person. And she says, well, we're always polite and respectful, but we don't take no for an answer. <laughs> Sister Simone Campbell, who leads a group of radical women who are now known as nuns on a bus, have been has been similarly undeterred, even when reprimanded by the Vatican on several occasions with previous popes. When asked whether church members should be meddling in politics, she said, what we need is a healthy engagement because we bring the values of faith to politics. And it's not about a litmus test on policy, she says. It's about how we create community how we come together, and how we find a way forward without the violence, without the hate, without the division, without the racism. 
We can do it, she says. And faith is a way to nourish the roots of that commitment. I like all of that, and I'm inspired by it, and especially I like it when she says, we can do it. With all of our tendencies as the church to stray from the center of our life in Christ, and even to distance ourselves from his strong command that we hear today, we as the church can create community and come together and find a way forward, not on our own and certainly not without an abundance of grace and forgiveness. We can do this because the love that Jesus demands does not originate in us. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And we can do this because Jesus has promised to give us all that we need as we continue to abide in his love. As we leave today, we take with us his liberating word that comes with this command to love one another. I chose you, Jesus says, and I appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Thanks be to God. Amen.